This is Lit and Lucid, your after-work de-stress smoke sesh podcast. I'm your host, Lit. And I'm your host, Lucid, and we're going to take you on a journey. A journey to discover the truth and find the balance. Every week, we get deep on those thought-provoking topics that ooze out of the cannabis universe. But we also keep it real by illuminating important issues and people in today's culture. So kick back. Consume your favorite cannabis products and get cozy in the the Lit and Lucid lifestyle. Welcome everybody to the Lit and Lucid podcast. We are here winding down 2020. Uh, Thank God you guys, we made it through the year. Um, So I'm I'm excited to see 2021 on the calendar. Uh, But today we have a special guest. We have Kristen Mersloat. She's the co-founder of Alpen Stash, which is a small batch craft cannabis company in Boulder County, Colorado. Uh, You might remember Alpen Stash. We had her husband, Danny, on the show. I had to look it up, you guys, back in October of 2018. So I'm glad to see they're still around. I'm glad to see we're still around as well. Um, But we're very excited to have Kristen on the show today. Welcome. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Totally. Yeah. It's been a couple of years since we had your husband, Danny, on and we know a lot's changed and we know, you know, a lot is still the same. You guys are still doing, you know, the same thing, cultivating really clean cannabis. So we're excited to hear about what's changed. And then also, you know, you're a new addition. So we're excited to learn more about the new addition to the company and get more about your background. However, we always start the show with, you know, we are cannabis consumers and we're a cannabis podcast. So I'm curious, you know, tell us about your journey into cannabis and also how you how you discovered uh, plant medicine. Yeah. Um, so I grew up playing sports uh, very heavily. Um, so I didn't, you know, I didn't party. I didn't do anything. I just played um, ice hockey. Uh, my weekends were spent watching videotapes of myself and my teammates playing and watching movies. And um, I was a pretty boring kid. Um, So I had no really opinion or view on cannabis when I was younger. I was kind of one track minded, go to school, play hockey, go to college. Um, And then right before I went to college, um, I sustained a pretty life altering back injury. Um, and pushed through, you know, like most athletes do, and did not rehab properly and went to college anyways. And after my first year of uh, college, I was in a ton of pain. And while I was in college, you know, I had uh, the team chiropractor, I would have to do STEM before each game, ice baths, and you name it. I had to warm up for like 20 minutes before a game on a bike just to loosen my back up. Um, it was pretty rough. So uh, that summer, I went and saw a few chiropractors and doctors, and they actually told me that uh, I wasn't going to be able to go back and play if I wanted to be able to walk when I was 40. Um, so it was pretty, pretty emotional and pretty, a pretty traumatic thing. I mean, that was what my life was based on. Um, uh, in the mean, you know, while all this was happening, I, they were giving me muscle relaxers all year at school and opiate opioids and whatever they could give me so that I could function and play, um, which was difficult to say the least doing that and going to school at the same time, (laughs) um, and like a fog. Um, so I had decided that I was going to try to take, you know, a year off in rehab and, uh, I met a girl and we started 
to become pretty close and she was a cannabis user and she said, you know, why don't you, I could try to smoke. And I was like, Oh, drugs, you know, <laughs> my word, you know, like, even though I was like popping Vicodin. Mine is like, yeah, all the other drugs you were already taking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That were actually drugs. Um, and so I was like, sure, I'll try anything. And so we, you know, we would have some sessions together. And then, I mean, within like a couple of weeks, I was converted. I mean, I stopped taking the painkillers and the muscle relaxers. And it was just like in awe of how good I felt. I was just like a giant fog had lifted um, off of me and a giant weight. Um, yeah. So that I was converted pretty pretty quickly um because I just felt really great you know did, did you like tell your teammates and like people that you were consuming or how did that all work out well at that time I was didn't really know what I was going to do to be honest because I didn't I didn't know if I was going to be able to go back and play I didn't know I didn't know what was going to happen um I felt pretty helpless um unfortunately it is a you know a miracle medicine but it did not cure my back injury so I was not able to go back and play um at that level. Uh, I still play now but I call it old lady hockey. You know, it's a lot different. It usually involves like a beer or a joint before a game. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. Um but I didn't even think I'd be able to do that to be honest. I thought I was going to I thought I was out for good. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's something that we hear um, pretty often is just like the the simple idea that you kind of reclaim a little bit of your life back because it's either, you know, people that are on pills, they they make a remark of like the pills aren't normal to me and they make me feel weird or, um, you know, I mean, there's just like a, a ton of side effects on any type of pill you're on. And so then there's that. And then there's also, you know, whatever people led people to, to be on pills or be on medications or have to have therapy. Um, there's that that just kind of disrupts your life. And so that's pretty cool that at the very least you were able to find some normalcy in your life and not have to be on a ton of pills and, and still be able to stay active. I think that's, that's one thing that I always try to get people to take away from this. It's not a cure-all. It's not going to cure you, but it's going to give you your life back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was night and day, my, even my personality, emotionally. I mean, everything. My, it just it changed my life for the better and really opened my eyes up um, to my own prejudices against this plant you know, my, my viewpoint at the time. Cause I, I was 19, I believe. Um, that was quite a while ago. Um, I think that was 2004 was when I first started consuming. Um, I always think about like all the college sports kids, like all the athletes, like this is the same story, you know, and they all get, you know, pumped up with prescription drugs just to get them to go out and play. And obviously cannabis is restricted for all of them. And if they could just use that plant medicine, like how much better would these people be, you know? Uh, Yes. I think about that daily. I mean, because I still, you know, when you grow up being an athlete and a physical outlet becomes your therapy, it becomes your everything, your focus. Um, and that never really goes away. I mean, it formed who I am as a person. And so I still have to, you know, work out. I still have to be active daily in order to function really. Um, and I, I think about it all the time because I still have restrictions with my back. Um, but there's a big difference between when I use like, you know, the salve and, uh, you know, or a CBD gummy or, you know, I just, or I smoke or what, however I choose to consume. It's just night and day how I feel. Um, 
And I, yeah, I, I think about that all the time. It's so sad that as athletes, you're just told, you know, it's bad and it's drugs and you shouldn't do it while, like you said, while you're getting pumped full of whatever they can give you to not feel anything so that you can perform. Yeah, it's wild. Even muscle relaxers are, I mean, it's not considered like some hardcore drug, but I mean, it can be. I mean, depending on how many you take, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, and very habit forming, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's sad. One one cool thing, though, did you see that, that the NBA, they're not going to test people for cannabis now? Yeah, the NBA is coming around to it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Plus, I mean, that's pretty amazing as well, because let's be honest, they've used that to bust certain athletes anyways that they thought were, you know, they had certain opinions about. So that's great on all levels. Yeah. And I hope that kind of translates to, to other areas. I know, you know, the NFL, um, a long history of like players violating their substance abuse policy and it's, so it's just silly. marijuana. And right. then they, they ban them for like four games or something. And it's like, come on people, if we can do better than yeah, that. Just smoke they're a literally, joint. Yeah. Well, they're literally it, sacrificing their body and killing themselves in the name of the NFL or the NBA or whatever. And they're like, but don't smoke weed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if these people actually came out and just talked, they'd probably like, I hurt like hell, man. And like smoking a joint before the game or after the game is like the only thing that takes my mind off it. And it's yeah. probably not something like these coaches, or the owners want to hear, but like, that's the truth. I had a, I had a say, I had a, a basically a career ending injury in high school and uh, it was very similar. I blew out a uh, total knee blowout, had had total knee reconstructive surgery. Ugh. The orthopedic surgeon told me the same thing. He's like, dude, look, man, I'm fixing you up right now. So you can like run around and play with your kids in the yard. Like you, you're not supposed to be like no more physical activity, no more skiing, snowboarding, none of that. Like this is like, this is your one shot. So you can be active when you get older. And that like really set me back. And I thought, man, you know, what am I going to do like that? I was just like you. I was like into extreme sports, race motocross, did like all the sports I could, like very active. And -hmm. I think the like the mental aspect of it really was probably what hit me harder than so much the physical aspect of it. And I think, you know, cannabis helped me reframe all that through the years. And I mean, it's been, geez, 12 years or so since that happened. And I still have regrets. I'm like, damn it, man. I shouldn't oh. have just shouldn't have just like made a different play. And then I wouldn't have uh, yeah, 100%. my life upside down. It's, yeah, it's life altering. It's life altering. And it's like, you know, that's ugh, the emotional aspect is just unbelievable. You know, it 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 changes everything. It's I was like severely depressed for a while before yeah, I started smoking cannabis. And cannabis also was a part of my healing process of st- learning to accept that my life was going to be different that I needed to go a different way, you know? Yeah. That's important. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, um, like coaches don't talk to you about or like parents, not necessarily. And it's not really something you have like a huge support group of like, what do you do next? And the point I was going earlier is I had a bunch of friends in college that ended up going and playing college football and I watched them still play. And there was times where I was like, man, you know, it's probably a good thing. I didn't have to go play college ball because these guys hurt. These guys hurt like all the time. And they sounded just like you just being on like these pain pills or muscle relaxers or something just to get into like the next game. And, um, that's not a life that I want to live. And, um, so I think, you know, they should totally open it up and allow cannabis to be at least part of the conversation for some of these athletes or, you know, like CBD or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah CBD absolutely. A minimum. Well, cool. Um, another, you know, important thing I think in your life is being a mom, right? Yeah. And you're also a cannabis consumer and, you know, 
On Instagram, I've been seeing a lot more canna moms. There's like a whole movement of canna moms online. So I think that there's definitely hope and people are coming around. But I know that there's definitely still stigmas associated with being a cannabis consumer and a parent. So do you want to kind of talk a little bit about maybe your struggles or maybe not what you've kind of seen um, doing both? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, when I I have Danny and I have a 16 month old son. Um, and when I was pregnant the first time, I, I didn't consume really. I mean, when I would get nauseous, which I was sick often, um, I didn't, I was scared, you know, I had like a ton of fear because there's not a lot of research. There's not a lot of, um, outlets. There's not a lot of safe places to go and talk about it. Uh, you know, there's not, there's just not a lot out there there's more now, but there wasn't even, you know, a year and a half ago. And so I was really scared. That's the best way I can put it, because especially your first pregnancy, you know, you are already afraid of everything and you want to do everything right. And you work in in our case, we tried really hard, you know, to conceive. And when it happens, you're just so over the moon and you don't want to do anything that could put, you know, potentially hurt or mess anything up. Um, And just recently, I think after, let's see, maybe when he was about nine months or 10 months, um, I really started to feel, I guess the best word is crazy. I had been dealing with a lot of postpartum anxiety and depression. And I just kept thinking, if only I could smoke, you know, if only I could consume, I know that I would feel better. And I was still so scared because everyone is, you know, it's funny because everyone's like, Oh, you can drink wine, just, you know, and breastfeed, or you can do this. And, but there's just no one lends you support really, as far as consuming cannabis. Um, and it wasn't until I really try, I really like sought out other moms who were consuming, um, that my eyes were just like, I mean, my mind was blown even in that short amount of time. Um, how many women had, come out of the woodwork, I guess, and started to really talk about how they were consuming cannabis while they were breastfeeding and they were consuming cannabis while they were pregnant. Um, and it wasn't just like a Facebook group, you know, or there's just like a bunch of strangers or a baby center or whatever, you know, which are all very helpful, but not in this, not in this instance. Um, Yeah. Um, I remember I had a friend, this was back probably in 2000, like nine ish or something. And she was pregnant and she was a cannabis consumer. And I even think about it for me, like if I have a stomach ache or a headache or any ache or pain, like cannabis is my go-to. So like, I couldn't even like fathom like what you're going through as a pregnant woman and then not being able to consume. And like, what do you even do? And she had the threat that Um, when she had her baby, that if that baby came hot for THC, they were bringing in social services, like they were knocking at your door. And thank God, you know, the baby didn't test hot for whatever reason, but that's a real threat. And then it's like, well, then what do you do? You're, you're putting yourself in a scary position. Like, well, maybe you just have your baby at home. Like, I don't know. But like for these cannabis consumer moms, I really feel for them because I mean, it's a really tough spot to be in. Yeah. It's, you know, (laughs) I remember thinking, because I, I was really sick from the start and I was sick for two trimesters, um, like really sick, couldn't get out of bed sick some days. Um, 
And I remember thinking to myself, like, well, here we go. The sacrifice starts, you know, it's like, right. Right off, like the first five weeks, like here it's starting, you know, like already, um, <laughs> which is true. But at the same time, the threat is real. I mean, it's even real in these legal states, you know, um, I started a mom's group um, online with a few of my friends and um, women often openly talk about drinking and, you know, we have these events where we used to do it other virtually, but um, where we all hang out and have happy hours on zoom and whatnot. Uh, And I, you know, I put up, I wrote a long thing about being a can of mom and there's about 400 members and talking to them, you know, asking other moms to comment and if they would be interested in having spoke sessions instead of happy hours. And I was so excited. And then I was I was pretty bummed because a lot of women messaged me separately and wouldn't even comment on the thread in the privacy of this group where it was supposed to be a, yeah, a safe place for them. And I was, I'm still working very hard to make it a safe place. And a lot of them would say, you know, I would love to do a one-on-one zoom, or if you, if you schedule the time, can can I be anonymous or, you know, and it was just, it was really eye-opening to me like how far we still have to go with this and the stigma attached to it. And it just blows my mind that it can be accepted that you can drink a bottle of wine a night, but if you want to smoke a joint and play on the floor with your kid, which is what you do right. and be super interactive and have a blast and take care of your anxiety, take care of your stress, like, and be aware and there for your child that that's frowned upon. You know, that's just, it's mind blowing to me, which also shows how far we still have to go for the stigma of cannabis in general. Yeah, totally. And I think that's just where, you know, I don't even know if it's a lack of information because I mean, the information's out there. I think it's just these cultural norms that have just been established for so long that you're going to have to break like the cultural norm that wine is completely acceptable, which, you know, I drink wine occasionally and I love wine. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think then to try to compare it and then with cannabis and then basically to, to like downplay cannabis and, and its purpose, I guess, is like what the problem is. Um, and I think that's just, that's the first thing I think that has to kind of come to a head. And a lot of this is like, people have to look at cannabis for what it is, not what they thought it was or what people told them it was. And that's just going to take like decades, probably, unfortunately, until people try it for themselves and realize it's not, you know, this crazy thing, or they have friends that come out and openly talk about it. And I, think I was just going to say, yeah, like having more, I think, especially speaking about moms, I think the more that parents and mothers come out and talk about it and say that they consume and you see the faces and you see that these are like, you know, Normal responsible, <laughs> yeah. caring, loving people who are great parents and they're actually better parents because they consume cannabis. You know, I think... I think it's going to take a lot of that. If that's scary. And those of us who have the privilege of doing so need to step up and do it more frequently than those who don't have the pr- privilege of doing so, because there are a lot of barriers for a lot of different people and they don't have that option. Um, so I just think it's really important that, you know, if you have the privilege to do so that you stand up and you speak up and you talk about it and you're honest about it and, show your face and show your children and show your life and show that, you know, look, I, you know, I wake up in the morning and I feel anxious and I feel scared and I take a hit of cannabis and I feel hopeful and I feel calm 
and I feel ready to take the day on. Or, you know, when my baby or toddler is sleeping and I'm so overwhelmed because in my instance, I, you know, I have to put the wiggles on for 20 minutes to even write an email. <laughs> you know, it's really hard to be a business owner um, and a mom during COVID, especially when you are, you know, you're stuck at home. And thankfully we have my mom um, who we just started letting her come back over and helping out. She's our childcare, which is a godsend. Oh my God, it's so much easier. But when I don't have her, it's like some days I just want to throw my hands up and scream, you know, and instead, you know, if I take a hit off of one of our cultivars that I know is calming for me and relaxing, it's instantly a mood changer. It instantly helps me to feel better and gives me hope and lets makes me feel confident in who I am as a mother and who I am as a person and a business owner and allows me to just take a step back and look and see that, you know, it's okay. It's doable. You know, I'll helps put things into perspective, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one cool thing that I think as you were just talking there, I was kind of just like thinking about something and I'll try to make it make sense here, but um, you know, in the long term you know, this may be even more beneficial for like children and parents because, you know, I think having to go through this stigma and having to have this experience of like feeling like you can't talk about it or you got to, are you doing something wrong or you have to do it, you know, under a cloak or something. I think that makes you more conscious of your consumption. Whereas, you know, and then maybe, you know, the next step of that is like, you may have to have a discussion with your child about it. And I guarantee Mm -hmm. you're going to be a hell of a lot more conscious about what you're telling them and why you're consuming it versus like, Who's had a conversation with their child telling them why they're drinking alcohol at night? Like nobody. Right. It's just the thing to do. It's just the thing to do. And so I think either way, I think you have to look at this as like it, it's there's a lot of good in a lot of this. And just, you know, having that stigma there, I think it, it, it tempers some things. Then also it brings up the conversation, which is a chance for you then to educate either your child or your neighbor or your friends. And that's exactly what you know, you're saying and that we're preaching here is just have that conversation. Because I think in general, the big picture take on this is that you're a hell of a lot more of a conscious consumer than somebody just uh, you know, drinking a whole bottle of wine every night and then not actually addressing that like, here's why I'm drinking this bottle of wine because I'm stressed the F out and you know, I've got some pain or something. You know? um, yeah. so I think that's going to help change the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And um, on that point, you know, when COVID first started, um, you know, we were, it was the unknown. We were extremely stressed out, not as just as parents, but as business owners, you know, we, we are a a very small company and right away we were like, Oh, before we were deemed essential, you know, we were like, how are we going to survive? Like what, how, what are we going to do? And I started drinking pretty heavily, you know, and all of a sudden I started to notice that happy hour was at two. And I was like, this is, why am I doing? <laughs> like, you know, and I started, took a step back and realized that I was actually drinking too much. And I've actually, I think I'm 110 days alcohol free today. Um, nice. Stopped drinking and thank you. And cannabis also helped in that a ton, you know, like it could, because it's not, it's not an escape, you know, I mean, you could certainly get yourself there, but if you are, like you said, consciously consuming, it's not, it's not escapism. It's a medicine. It's there to help you cope. It's there to help you deal with things um, in a healthy manner and in a productive manner. 
I think that is a very perfect distinction to make. That's exactly what is happening here, especially with alcohol. It's just you're covering things up. You're not, you know, consciously thinking, oh, I'm using alcohol to help with this, 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 and this. You're just trying to glaze over, you know, all of your life's problems and numb to it all. And cannabis, it doesn't let you numb. I mean, maybe, you know, if you get real high and you're like stoned out of your mind on the couch, sure. But if you just take a couple of hits, like the insight that you get and the thought process that you have to be in the present moment, you're not very numb. I'm like you're pretty aware. <laughs> yeah, quite the opposite. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. quite the opposite. <laughs> you're generally overthinking everything. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Well, cool. Well, let's um let's transition a bit too because you know, you made some other big changes too. You joined your you joined your husband Danny at the at the cultivation and um you know, you also have some experience as a cannabis baker. So, tell us a little bit about that and how your your experience in the the cannabis confections world helped you make that transition to uh, to help in Alpenstash. Yeah, so when you know Alpenstash was getting up and running, um, we couldn't afford to bring me on. Uh, it just wasn't an option, um, and you know you need money. So, <laughs> um, I wanted to get my foot into the industry and learn a different side. You know, Danny knows a lot about cultivating plants and, um, I always call him a plant wizard. Um, and so that side was clearly covered, uh, and we needed to learn a different aspect. So it was, I looked at it more as paid training. So I went to work for a small local bakery in Boulder, Colorado, and I actually was not a baker. I would help bake occasionally, but I did, um, packaging and compliance for packaging So I was the manager of that department and learned a lot about the not so fun part of cannabis, which are the, you know, the boring stuff, which is packaging and the rules and what label needs to be on what and all the hoops that you have to jump through and then jump through four more hoops on fire. Um, So I learned that uh, that aspect, which has come in very handy. Um, And then as soon as we could bring me on. I joined Alpenstash and kind of, um, I don't know how to put this. I, w- I guess in layman's term came in and kind of cleaned things up a bit, <laughs> um, figuratively, you know, Tighten the ship and, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I brought the organization and the mainstream and, um, you know, again, the boring, I always say this, like I do a lot of the boring side of the business there. It's a necessity, but they're things, you know, it needs to happen. And unfortunately, that's what makes it run though, right? You got to have your packaging and compliance in place or you're not running a business. Right. Yes. So unfortunately I do a lot of that. Um, I do get to play with our plants and get in and growing and I'm still learning a lot about that. I don't think any grower should ever claim to know everything about that. I mean, there's, you're you're constantly learning and it's so fun because it's a living organism, you know, so it would be silly to claim that you knew everything about it. Um, but especially since COVID, I've also really been focusing on, you know, the not so great stuff again. It's, it's great. It's important, but you know, um, one new fun new thing that I've been really learning a lot about is social media. Who knew that that was such a to do. Yes. Such a to do. Um, so we've been really been focusing on our social media and our branding, um, our apparel, you know, the metric, which is our tracking system here, um, sales, you know, writing our SOPs, that kind of fun, exciting yeah. things. I don't know. That's all the stuff I used to do. And I still, I don't know. It's fun, but I, I totally feel you. It's like, like you want to like pound your head against the wall sometimes. 
like yeah. yeah. Well, it's just funny, you know, like Danny does all these podcasts and he's, you know, he's eloquently has a beautiful story, like a very healing story. And he like talks about our plans and it's so fun. And then it's like, okay, I'll go on and talk about spreadsheets, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, well, I've had a lot of fun on this podcast. So I think you're doing a great great. job. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, we could talk. I mean, there are so many industry people that we could just talk about metric for like an hour and they'd all just be like, like on their knees praying to us like oh yes i've had the same issue and oh thank god somebody's talking about it and <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh I mean, you'll appreciate this uh when i was working at a cultivation myself i was i started off in metric and um i was like probably like you a little bit there was like not a lot of procedures and stuff and i was having to figure stuff out on my own and write the sops and we just harvested like four thousand plants or something in a couple batches like a lot we just had done a yeah. lot and it was eight o'clock at night and I submitted the harvest batch report to metric. Well, metric decided to uh, have a glitch and it like double submitted the report and then deleted all the plants. And I'm oh. like, Oh my God, it's eight o'clock at night. I've been here since 6am. Like I'm going home. And then I don't know, that's just like that stuff that just forces you to smoke more. And um, <laughs> just metric sometimes will just like make you crazy, but uh, somebody's got to take care of it. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. And I have a, a bunch of love for anybody who has to deal with metric and compliance. And um, that's like the stuff, you know, Danny should be like, like putting you up in a hotel and like a resort or something every weekend because, you know, I feel like growing the plants, um, not saying it's easy by any means, it's a lot of work, but um, that's the, I, that's the fun part. I think watching the plants grow, babying the plants and interacting with oh, the other yeah. stuff's just like, man, this is the stuff we got to do to, to, to make, make the business work, go. Yeah. So, Yeah. Well, as you know, to give him credit too, he's doing a lot of the not so fun stuff anymore as well, because when you, you know, we have an amazing team, all two of them. We also have a part-time employee, but um, we have two full-time employees and uh, Josh Liston and Radhika Devi. And they are, Josh is a plant care and plant wizard as well. And Ronica is, I mean, the spreadsheet genius. I mean, I could say, I, you know, I just call her and I'm like, oh, I'm kind of thinking about this. And what if we had a form that was, you know, maybe included this? And then like 10 minutes later, she'll be like, okay, pull up the Google Drive and watch <laughs> this whole presentation that I did on this amazing form. So they are, they're godsends. I love them. We're so lucky to have such a close-knit team that they're, oh, they're wonderful. I cannot praise them enough. We would not be who we are without them. Um, so Danny is also, because we're home more now, since Danny is uh, pretty high risk, he has some pretty severe asthma and has had it since he was a child. Um, so we have to be extra care- careful. We usually don't go into the grow unless it's just the two of us. Um, so on their off days, we go in. And so we've been, you know, both kind of staying home and doing the not so fun stuff, which <laughs> is great for me because <laughs> yeah, I get some support and some help. But you know, it's, it's interesting. You have to be, I say this a lot with COVID. I think since this has all happened, you just have to be really flexible and kind of roll with the punches, especially as business owners and kind of, and new parents, you know, and business owners that are married um, and living on top of each other with a new kid. Uh, So, you know, we've, it's, it's been, it's been difficult, but it's been good. It's been really good. You know, we've learned a lot. We've grown as a couple, we've grown as business owners. Um, we've really been able to hone in and focus on things that maybe weren't getting the attention that it should have gotten before. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, Danny's consulting 
has really taken off and we're expanding our grow actually. Um, yeah. So that's been a slow process with construction and with restrictions now, but uh, slow and steady runs the base, I guess. Let's talk about that real quick for all the listeners who don't know. Tell everybody about Alpen Stash. What kind of makes you guys different? You're specializing in small batch, clean cultivation, craft cannabis. What does that mean? So, um, you know, I feel like the word boutique gets thrown around a lot in this industry, um, but we are actually a boutique. There are four of us, and Danny and I are 50% of the workforce, um, as well as the owners. Uh, we, everybody wears many hats. Everybody wears every hat, I think, um, as far as our staff is concerned, um, which I think makes us very unique because we are only as strong as the person beside us. Um, and so we really focus on being a team and making decisions as a team and, you know, um, just working together. Um, we are extremely small, um, even though we're expanding, we're probably still going to be, I don't know, 10 times smaller than a lot of grows out there still, you know? Um, so we won't compromise that, but by boutique, we, everything is hand watered, hand trimmed. Um, every plant is given its individual attention. Um, we focus on clean growing, you know, we, I like to say we fight nature with nature. So if we are about to, if we are, if we think we have to worry about pests, which we generally don't, but, but we also do prevention. We, you know, we order mites like this weekend, I spent six hours hanging bugs and sprinkling bugs on plants, you know, um, <laughs> things like that. Stuff, yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we're just a, a mom and pop business in every sense of the word, you know, and we really put a lot of care and thought into what we're doing and the product that we're putting out there. Um, and I think if you know, if anybody has listened to Danny's um, episode, you know, I'm sure he goes in and talk, speaks a lot about our cultivars and our breeding. Um, he and Josh are amazing breeders. And that also sets us apart is I think we maybe grow, you know, one or two uh, strain that people generally know that isn't ours, a harvest and the rest of them are, are all our own cultivars. Um, which is exciting that we are expanding because that'll give us a lot more room to kind of play and pop some more seeds and totally. be a little more adventurous. Yeah. I think, you know, I, um, there's a quote somewhere that always talks about how it might've been like Bill Gates or, or somebody or um, somebody just mentioned how they, they always prefer like small teams because the best decisions are always made in a small team versus like large organizations tend to move slower because they're so large and clunky and, too many decisions. And so um, I've always thought, you know, the best things come from like the smallest little areas. And so I think what you guys are doing with four people, when people think in terms of like a cultivation, I mean, there's just like mad accountability for like anything that could go wrong or, you know, mad accountability for like things that also go right. Because like you mentioned, there's that hands-on care. And so, you know, with hands-on care, you guys can quickly identify problems, correct it. And then also, um, who doesn't love a good hand shrimp flower? I mean, that's like wonderful. And so I think when you end up with a product in your hand and you're going to consume it, I know I feel better knowing that like somebody was literally there with their hands and their eyes, like looking at this and, you know, applying that quality of care to the plant even before that um, to make sure it was doing what it's supposed to do versus, you know, just like mass produced, mass trimmed, mass packaged, mass sold. Um, and I think we do see a lot of that. And, you know, it certainly has its place in the market. 
Um, but for somebody who maybe is consuming for like medicinal aspects or um, just to be a conscious consumer, I think they're looking for something like this, just like a consciously produced product that's just not like mass done. Um, yeah, so what you absolutely. guys are doing is, is yeah. awesome, I think. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, we, yeah, thank you. That was really nice. And, um, you know, we really, we really try to focus on making a, putting a clean, conscious product on the market. Um, and what you were saying about team and accountability, I, that's so important to us. That's so important to us. And that is why, you know, no one, you know, we never want our, we never want them to feel like, and I hope they don't, that Danny and I are like above them or more important than them. You know, it's, we're never, you know, it's not like Danny and I don't ever like do green waste or clean or, you know, there's no job too little and there's no job too big for anybody in our company. Um, and I think that's really important. And it's taken us a bit to get a team that really understands that. And this is by far Alpenstash's best team. Um, that we've had where we just are really lucky. I actually, Ronica worked with me at the cannabis bakery. Oh, um, cool. <laughs> yeah. And we were at a friend's wedding this summer, no last summer. And um, she was there and she was talking, she had lived in, she was in Vegas and she was talking about how she was moving back. And we instantly were like, okay, Come all right. Yeah. <laughs> what do we need to do to <laughs> ensure that you will come work for us? I mean, we didn't even need her at the time. Um, we had another friend, um, Ethel, who was working with us, who I guess she was still a part of the team, but unfortunately she developed a pretty severe allergy to cannabis. Um, and so she had to leave us, but you know, she was like, jump on that, jump on that. And we didn't really even need Radhika, but we like hired her anyways, because we knew how important that she would be to our future and to our company. And, you know, we were not wrong. She's, you know, she's pretty irreplaceable. Um, so I just think it's really important to, as an employee and as an employer, just find a team that you feel comfortable with and where you're valued and you know your value and where you're appreciated, you know? Yeah, I think it's also cool that, um, you know, you guys do producing small batches because i'm sure just as a team like every batch that goes out is like that's you know that's great like that's a lot of like love and attention and and work put into that batch and i think as a consumer i think you'd want to hear stories like this you'd like literally want to know like the names of the people that grew your plants you'd want to know where it came from because i mean that's like what you're smoking so you, you know it doesn't matter like who packaged it and who handed it to you at a dispensary well it does you know and, and a lot of love to the bud tenders but ultimately I think you should always be asking like, who grew this and know your grower and ask those questions and like reach out to them on Instagram or emailing them and, uh, you know, ask them for pictures of the grow and what else you guys got coming and like engage with them guys. Cause like, this is literally where it all starts from seed to like trimmed up and packaged for fine sale. Like these are the folks that are doing it. And these are the folks that kick off the whole process. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. I, we actually trademarked the, um, the phrase know your grower because we believe in it so nice. much. Well, and that's what makes me sad about this whole thing because we tried to get um, Alpenstash when we spoke with Danny. He, I don't even remember what strain it was, but it was like so freaking dank. And so we went out and we found it. He's like, oh, you can get it here. So we went there and like we specifically like just needed this one strain. And we go to the bud tender and they're like, we're like, oh, do you have Alpenstash? And they're like, what? 
And we're like, Alpenstash. And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, what do you mean you don't know? Like, Ugh, he said you yes. just dropped it off. Like, you have to have it. And they didn't know. And it makes me so sad that here in Colorado, the grower's not on the label. Or, you know, Jared has this, like, backwards way that he can, like, look up, you know, the number and figure out who grew what. But the layman doesn't know that. The average consumer has no freaking idea. And that's, like, what I see as one of the biggest problems in Colorado. Like, in Oregon, like, if you buy a concentrate or anything, it shows who the grower was. It shows, you know, the processor or whatever. Um, and I think that we're missing that here in Colorado. And that makes me so sad for you guys. It's like a small cultivation because consumers should know who their grower is. The bud tenders should have that information and be able to support you guys in that sale and just the whole process. And I just feel like that's missing in the Colorado market. Yes, I could not agree more. Um, you know, when we were, when I first took over sales, um, it was really hard to even get our foot into um, excuse me, some, some of the doors, you know, I mean, I would spend hours, hundreds of phone calls and a lot of times it would be, you know, our manager isn't here. And, you know, I'd be like, I just literally got an email from them telling me to call. I know they're there. Just they know <laughs> I'm calling. Please just put me on the phone, you know? And I just constantly was hounding these places to be honest. And it was just like, just let, I don't, you don't even have to talk to me. Just let me bring a sample in. I won't say anything. I will bring you a sample in. Let me watch you open it. So I know that, you know, that's my sample and it's not another company's. That's all I need. I won't even talk. That's how confident I am in our product. Um, and that worked. Um, and then, like you said, we were starting to have the issue where, you know, one of the things that sets us apart is our cultivar. So at first we weren't so worried about not being able to put Alpenstash on the jar at the for sale jar, um, behind the, behind the, uh, counter, um, because people would know Lemmy Winks is only Alpenstash. Sparrow King is only Alpenstash. Um, but then some dispensaries started to rename them. Oh my and gosh. yeah, so we started to have some of our friends and our family kind of secret shop some of these places and go in and we were finding that that was happening a lot where people would go in and say, I just want Alpenstash. Um, so then on our end, besides contacting those people and expressing how <laughs> upset we were with it, which that kind of just got blown away, blown off. Like they were like, that's nice. We paid you money. It's ours now. Um, which to an extent they're right. I mean, we get, we produced a product, they bought it. They are allowed to sell it however they want to sell it. Um, it's very hard for my husband to swallow. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. like that at all. Yeah, I don't. It kills my heart. Oh my I don't either. I don't agree with it, but I get it to. I get it from a business standpoint. Right. I don't agree with it. I wish it wasn't that way, but it's unfortunately it's part of the game here. Um, but with that being said, I don't have to sell my product to those places, and so I didn't. Um, we started, you know, selling at smaller, smaller um, dispensaries that we're also ran by family and I started to make those connections and meet a lot of people and that helped. And our social media presence really has helped with that. Um, and has now been an incentive for purchasers because we do drive customers to dispensaries because our social media presence is so large. Um, so over the years, it's not a problem anymore. Um, but the problem, the, the naming, the naming at least is not a problem anymore. 
However, we still do have the issue that a lot of places will co-brand. I mean, we st- we say just put a sticker on the jar. Right. Just put our sticker. We'll make small stickers. I will do whatever you need me to do. If you'll just th- slap something on that says Alpenstash. And um, I don't know, 80% of the time it's a hard no. Yeah, I, I used to, you know, I was in your same position. I worked in sales and with a lot of these dispensaries. And I've seen that happen where they just change the the strain name and you're like it's not blue dream but just because blue dream selling well for you that week you just need to you need more blue dream on the shelf i guess but they shouldn't do that and i think it's like a broader conversation because clearly i, I guarantee you're finding in these uh these smaller mom and pop dispensaries um their consumers do care about cannabis and that's where a lot of them go is they don't go to these big box retailers they go to these small mom and pops because they can find those exotic strains or premium strains and know that you know i'll just skip this point here because i'll tell you when an owner owns a store and they're shopping and they're basically using their own money to purchase wholesale products for their shelf, I guarantee you that owner is going to go smoke that product or try the product or have somebody very close to them try that product. And if they don't like it, it's not going to go on the shelf. And so then as a consumer, you're almost like guaranteed to find really good products on those shelves because those owners, they care about their money. They care about where they're investing. They care that you know they're going to have to get a return on that and also sell it. And they don't want to sit on pounds or something that's not going to sell. And so I almost always tell people, you know, just go straight to like your local mom and pop shop just around the corner because I guarantee you they're going to have some really good strains. And so I think what other dispensaries need to understand is that um, there's conscious consumers out there and they're probably just not shopping at your dispensaries. Whereas if you took more time to like care about the products you're curating for your shelves and took more time to appreciate, you know, the growers and the craft that goes on the other side, you're going to start attracting some of those, you know, craft consumers and those um, connoisseurs, I guess, nowadays. And um, I know when I was working in sales, it'd always be like that question of like, well, how do we get more of those people in our stores? And um, how do we get more of that? I'm like, well, you got to change the products you're carrying. Yeah, absolutely. And be open to it. You know, be open to, listen, I understand there's an aspect of, you know, being uh, an owner and being in charge of um, inventory and what product that you bring into your store. I understand that there's, it's probably hard. You, they probably get 15 calls a day from different products, but you signed up for it. (laughs) This is, you know, like you decided to do this and it's your job and your responsibility to the consumer to, like you were saying, to provide a high quality and safe products, you know, and unfortunately i call them the Walmart of weeds. There's a lot of Walmart weed of the weed out there and they don't care, you know, and it's really sad. And we often compare it to, um, the, to beer, for example. So, you know, you've got your Coors, but then you've also got, you know, your craft beer, you've got your Avery or your Weldworks or these like super small companies. And I just think that, and hope, (laughs) we hope that if you produce these high quality products that speak for themselves, the masses will come. They will, you know, then they, and that has been true for us, at least. Um, We're very lucky that, you know, a lot of people support us and they do enjoy our product and they do go to these dispensaries and they ask for us. Um, and we're lucky to be partnered with, with certain dispensaries that are very open with us and open to 
saying, yes, this is Alpenstash and being open to being educated, you know, um, because a lot of times, unfortunately, you will bring a handout to give the bud tenders or you offer a sit down to talk about the cultivars or the difference, you know, uh, what makes us different from other companies. And they just, it falls on deaf ears. It doesn't matter. It's just, you know, they're thinking about their lunch break or when they're going to smoke a cigarette or whatever, not to be insulting, but like, that's, that's just the hard truth of it. Um, so I think it's just important to really focus on those consumers that, like you were saying, that do care and that, that want to be educated and that are doing their research. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's plenty of them out there. And I still think there's, um, as legalization continues and more people, um, you know, come wayside of the stigma, I think we'll realize that there's a lot more conscious consumers out there that are going to demand a clean cannabis product. So keep doing what you guys are doing. You know, the market's there, the market's only going to get bigger. Um, but kind of on this note, we always do something fun. This is our, our fun little piece here. And we're always excited to ask our guest. Um, but the show is named Lit and Lucid. And so we always end it with asking, you know, are you lit or are you lucid? Uh, right now I'm lucid. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's awesome. All right, Kristen. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Your sharing was really cool. I'm excited for all the canna moms out there to listen as well. And even the closet canna moms, maybe it'll give them a little bit of inspiration to, you know, come out of the canna closet and make sure you guys follow Alpenstash on Instagram. I have been noticing your guys's page has been a lot more lit. So you guys are doing a great job with that. Um, so if you are in Colorado, give them a follow, go ask for that cannabis um, in your local dispensary and give it a try. Uh, we really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. You guys are great. Um, I was really excited to come on and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. The next one will have to be you and Danny. Ooh. Oh yeah. Fun. We've never done one together. Before. No, that'll be fun. We'll do it. The duo. Yeah. Cool. All right. You guys with that, I'm lit. I'm Lucid. And that's it. Laters. Laters.